bucks. Never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's Steve Sparky, 5 or 1250 AM, the fan along with Bucks Superfan. He is Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Last night, I did not see Nathan Marzian and his posse of people walking around at Pfizer Forum. And I gotta say, I was I was pretty impressed. That that little cyber sale or whatever the Bucks did that I took advantage of. Uh, I, it appeared work because it felt like most of the upper deck was pretty full, Nathan, at that Bucks Kings game that we were both at. Yeah, and just the the bobblehead giveaway was huge. I know a lot of people were there early for that. Um, you know that that bobblehead's really cool that they gave away. You know what? I, I will. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I have the bobblehead. Uh, the fifteen year old, the Kings fan. Uh, he has the bobblehead. I never took it out of the box. I never took it out and looked at it. It's still in the box at home. I'm assuming you took the bobblehead out of the box and therefore looked at it and can tell us all what it's about. Yeah, basically, it's you know it's Giannis sitting at the sitting at the podium. And, um, I didn't realize at first that like, I was like, okay, cool. Like the dad joke bobblehead, but I didn't realize it actually had the jokes that like, um, where you push a button and it actually has like a recording See, of him. I didn't know it had audio either. And then just before we came on, I saw on Twitter, some lady on Twitter asking who was laughing in the background. I'm like, Oh, there must be audio with it. So how many jokes do you get? Three. Oh, real. Yeah, but I, yeah, because I didn't know that until the night before. Like, I just I had seen that it was coming up. Giannis dad joke bobblehead, and I was like, okay, it's just a bobblehead of kind of Giannis sitting there, like cool, but it's not that big of a deal. And then right. I was like, oh, this is actually cool that it makes you know he, it has him talking. So yeah, you get some sound with it too. So that was pretty sweet. Uh, the Bucks wearing their blue jerseys last night, blue court, the whole deal. I was joking uh, when we were in the upper deck. I was like, man, that would have been cool if they would have wore their purple jerseys. You could have had dueling purple jersey teams going at it. Probably the first time that ever has happened in the NBA would be my guess off the top of my head. Uh, but that n- none, nonetheless, that's what happened. Watching it with a fan of an opposing team is something I tell you. I, I tell you it's and I, I've talked about it, right? Like I'm becoming a Kings fan. There's no question. I'm watching all these games with my 15 year old and I'm kind of rooting for him. Like in the Western Conference, kind of becoming my team. Don't have any merchandise or anything like that. I got a sneaking suspicion he might have got me something for Christmas with King's crap on it. But uh, so that I might have a piece coming after Christmas. We'll see what he did. But so like during the game, he wants to slap, turn and slap me high five. I was like, I am not giving you a high five, man. They're playing the Bucks. There's no chance. We're going to go see the Kings and Bulls in Chicago. I go at that game. I'll high five you. We'll root together. I'm in. But as you're watching the game and he's livid about De'Aaron Fox, just hot. And Rami Makhlouf, who does afternoons uh, on Sacktown Sports uh, out in Sacramento, which is the flagship of the Kings, I was texting him during the game too. See, that right there, that game right there is why De'Aaron Fox is not a superstar. That right there is why he can't get to the next level because there's too many of those type of games for Fox where he's just not enough of a factor. He's not that guy that can go out like Giannis or like these other superstars and give you consistently you know, 25 a night, night in and night out. He'll get, you know, who he's like, he's kind of like Holiday or Middleton where he'll get hot for a couple of weeks, give you 30 a night or 25 a night and be like, oh man, here we go. He turned the corner. And then he comes back down to earth and gives you what he gave you last night. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have Drew Holiday showing out uh, against Darren Fox and the Kings and having a huge game uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. And he really... Those two guards were the deciding factors of the whole game. As well as Holiday played and as bad as Fox played, 
I, I think really, because that game really wasn't decided to what the five minute mark of the fourth quarter. I, I turned the 15 year old said, and it's over. He's like, five minutes left. Like, it's all done. I, I've seen this before. The game's over. Um, and it was after that. It was it was all done. But those two guys really, I think, watching that Bucks Kings game at Pfizer were the deciding factors in that game. Yeah, I mean, Drew was absolutely fantastic. He had his his offense going, and um, you know, you always know you're getting defensively with him. But when the offense is that good, he had. Did he end up with what 31, 33, something like that? Um, yep, he was that, over thirty. That's yeah. I mean, that if you're getting over thirty from Drew, the Bucks are going to win most of those games because you know what you're getting yes. from Giannis. Um, and then Chris just has to be, you know, semi-decent. He's still working his way back and everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, you you nailed it. I think the the guard play was uh, the difference in the game because it was it was pretty close. I mean, I I never feared that the Bucks were going to lose the game, uh, you know, like as the game was going on. But I think, it, I mean, it still was close. And and if Fox had played really well and Drew had maybe struggled a bit, that would have probably made the difference in in winning or losing the game. No doubt. Other observations that I, I've taken away from watching this Kings team throughout the year, and you saw it again last night against Brooke Lopez, who is one of the best shot blockers in the league, maybe the best shot blocker in the league uh, at this point uh, of the NBA. Can't stop this dude around the rim, man. I mean, he decides he's going inside. You can throw two, three guys at him. He's pump faking, pump faking, pump faking, boom, off the glass and in. And he does it each and every night. And I go back to Greg Monroe, the former Buck. And that deal was, sorry, dude, you don't fit today's model of the NBA anymore. We're not playing with their back to the basket and everything else. You're going to have to do all this other stuff in order to stay on the floor. And out of the league he goes, right? Because nobody wanted to go that way. Sabonis, obviously younger, but is showing that there is still room for guys like Sabonis in the NBA for a couple of reasons, I think, Nathan. One, these guys don't have to defend the low post guys anymore. You know, back in the 90s, everybody dropped it in the low post to the four or to the five, and you do your post moves and you go in. So you have more practice defending these guys in the low block. Now, what? There's Sabonis. Who else is regularly got their back to the basket uh, or going at the rim within five feet? I, there's just not a lot of those guys anymore in the NBA. So when somebody does have to defend that guy, I think it, it takes him a little while to kind of figure out what's going on, Nathan. Yeah. And I mean, Sabonis has been, yeah, he's been having a good year. He's always kind of been a double-double machine, and he's a good passer as well. Um, but, yeah, it, it is interesting to watch a guy who, you know, he, he is in the post a lot and um, kind of one of those, you know, mid-2000s type of players rather than the modern NBA. Um, it's interesting to see. And, yeah, to see him, you know, be successful and and being able to, you know, score efficiently. I think he was like 9 of 11 last night. and Almost had a triple-double. I think he was two or three assists shy of a triple-double last night. Yeah, and you know it, it. It's it's interesting to see a guy that's able to succeed playing that style, and you know he can hit the occasional uh, jumper or three, but um, you know his majority of what he's doing is in the post. And yeah, like you said, the guys for the most part, it's been you know any any player that that's their style, it's kind of been okay. You have to adapt or die, and he's been someone who's you know still been able to be successful largely just working out of the post. I mean, think about it. You watch college basketball. We got to talk about your Twitter at some point. You watch college basketball. There's not a lot of those guys, even in college basketball now, that are coming up through because all these big dudes know they got to shoot the, the ball from outside if they're going to play in the NBA because if they're just back to the basket and they don't shoot that outside shot fairly well, NBA teams are going to just put their nose up at them and, and move on to the next player. So even in the college level, you don't see a lot of guys playing like Sabonis plays in the league right now. Yeah, every every young player is, you know, 
it's it's all threes and and I think most guys know that their your best chance of making an NBA team is to be a three and D guy. You know, that's just what it, every single team needs is is guys that can shoot the ball and, and defend. Um, because that's how that's how the NBA works now. And so yeah, I, there's just that style of player like is just going extinct because like, yeah, I mean, as, as the NBA adapts, kids are going to adapt. The the guys that are coming up next are going to adapt because they know, um, you know, and, and just watching games on TV. It's like, if you're a young kid now watching a game, you know, even if you're a, a bigger, like you're playing, if you're a center, um, you're watching a game and you're just seeing guys chuck threes. And, uh, you know, even the, the centers are mainly just hitting threes. And it's Look like Wembenyama, the guy that's coming out. I mean, that yeah. dude's taking fall away step back threes, for God's sakes. And what is he, seven, five or whatever he is? Yeah. So, Back in the day, seven, five, you're playing around the rim. And you're just throwing down on guys. If again, he's physically not big, like Shaq was necessarily and Shaq's not seven, five, but you know, if you're that size, you just dominate the paint and that's how you win. And nowadays, even though he's that big, if I, if I'm defending him in the NBA, go ahead, sit out there. Cause I'm going to get rebounds. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Go ahead. Take 10 threes a game. If you'd like, have at it. I don't care. I'll take my chances getting my rebounds and doing that because you saw it in that game last night where when they pulled Zabonis away to defend out to the perimeter, the Kings had no chance of getting a rebound inside. They just had no chance. I think at one point, it was late in the game, Lopez literally went up with his right arm and took his left arm and like held off two Kings players with his left arm and grabbed the rebound. And I was like, dude, man, that looked like a guy playing with kids at this point, just an adult. You just stay over here, Johnny. I'm going to grab this rebound. Don't, I know you're trying to jump up, but I got you. Don't worry. You're not going anywhere. And that is, you know, a, a couple of things that I've learned. So you watch the Kings and it's clear they need some type of rim protector in the worst way, another big. You watch the Kings and you go, damn, how good would this Bucks team be if they had a six man like a Malik Monk on their team coming off of the bench, that instant offense guy that can just get you going and say whatever you want about Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton and these dudes. And Allen made a couple shots last night and that's fine, but they're not, they, they're not that dude. They're just not. I and mean, he's been that guy all year. And you can argue he didn't play all that well against the Bucks as far as shooting the basketball goes, but he's been consistently that guy and he's going to be in the running for sixth man of the year. The Bucs don't have that player. So you start looking ahead to trade deadline and what may the Bucs need and so forth. It's crazy as it sounds because they got a million guards. Maybe it is them looking for another scorer that can be that lead scorer off the bench at some point, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of something that I think most Bucs fans, you know, if you if you said what do the Bucs need, they're gonna say scoring off the bench and and someone who, you know, can create their own shot off the bench. And yeah, I mean Malik Monk is a guy that is able to do those things and that's kind of his his uh you know the main thing he he provides is just he can come off the bench and potentially get you you know 20 points or whatever and um the bucks have you know some guys that you know bobby portis can get you 20 at times and fill it up a little bit but mainly it's just shooters for us it's not really you know there's difference between a scorer and a shooter and i think you know the bucks have kind of then they've they've gotten good shooters and you know they've done a good job of surrounding Giannis with guys that can play with him but they don't really have, you know, scores off the bench. And, you know, we're hoping maybe Joe Ingles can be a little bit of that and more of a playmaker, someone who can have the ball in his hands and stuff. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I I still don't think they're gonna make any any big moves unless, you know, something happens either with an injury or, or you know, if if things change with how guys are looking. But 
Um, you know, it's it's interesting to think about. I know people wanted like Jordan Clarkson. I'm not a fan of Jordan no. Clarkson just because you know his his defense and um, I don't like him either. He's played fine this year. Like he he has pretty good scoring averages and everything, but I just don't think he's a winning player. And so I mean, yeah, I, I think it's interesting to to talk about and potentially you know shake things up a little bit by trading a shooter for more of a score if if the Bucks considered doing that. The other thing that we found uh, last night. We found somebody Grayson Allen can stay in front of. He he showed he could stay in front of Herder, so that's good. We got one guy, so we got one guy that Allen has shown he can stay in front of. That that's the type of stuff. And I I mean, physically, athletically, maybe he just he just can't do it against more of the more athletic guys in the league. But that last night, he was able to stay in front of Herder in a couple of spots. We're like, okay, Grayson, good, a uh, little defense. That's that's good. That's what you want to see. Hit a couple of threes. Like if if you give me more of that Grayson Allen consistently, I think I'd be more okay with Grayson Allen getting minutes than what we've seen, uh, you know, earlier in the year. Yeah, I loved what I saw from from Grayson yesterday, and um, I think as the season's gone on, I, I've he's he's picked up the defense a little bit. It's still not great or anything, but it I can you know you see him playing a little bit harder on that end, and it seems like he's really trying to improve there, and he has made some strides and. Um, you know, we all know he's going to be a, a 40 plus percent three point shooter, but it's going to be the defense and also, you know, what he's able to do off the dribble that could potentially take him from, you know, a, a guy that really can't play much in the playoffs to someone who you can have out there for longer stretches of time. Um, and last night, I mean, he, and just again, all season, I feel like he has improved going off the dribble, um, driving to the lane and making the right decisions. I feel like there were a lot of times in the past where, he would drive and kind of force up a shot or um, it just seemed like he kind of predetermined what he was going to do with, with the ball and just wasn't, you know, he just was not good with the ball or putting the ball on the floor. And this year I've been happy with what I've seen um, with him, with him improving in that area. And I just think, yeah, if, if he can continue to make good decisions off the dribble and improve the defense a little bit, he'll be a very valuable player to have and someone who can play in the playoffs. What's your thoughts on Pat Connaughton since he's come back? Give him some time. He's, you know, he, the shooting hasn't been good, but I think he's going to be fine. So you don't worry as much about Pat Connaughton. I've never been a big Pat Connaughton guy, like ever. Really? Uh, no, never have been. Like if they moved him in the offseason, I'm like, oh, see ya. I, it does, he doesn't do much for me. I mean, he's a, he's a hustle and heart guy uh, that can get going from outside once in a while and provide you a little spurt. You know what I mean? Uh, but he's, going back to what we were talking about earlier with Malik Monk, he's not going to do that consistently every night. He's he's just not, um, and that's where I think they could use an upgrade. But unlike the Brewers, they value chemistry, and Pat Connaughton is one of those guys in that locker room that I don't think they have any interest in moving going forward because he's one of their dudes, right? I mean, he he's with Giannis and Middleton and these guys. He's one of those core guys. Grayson Allen, more of a newcomer just got here so if they move Allen I don't think that hurts chemistry really all that much one way or another in the Bucks locker room move Connaughton move Middleton something like that then it is a deal speaking of Middleton I saw earlier on Twitter Ty Windish uh who Eurostep podcast does a great job uh and somebody was tweeting at him about uh Middleton and how some people on Twitter want to trade Middleton and move on from Middleton and asking about his contract and so forth uh, and then Frank Madden got uh, involved. Everybody knows Frank Madden. And he got involved saying, like, dude, I thought this was like a tweet from like three years ago. People are still talking about getting rid of Chris Middleton. 
how much of that do you hear uh, or see on your social media? I mean, you've got a, a ton of followers. So how much interaction do you still get? I don't get much. I don't get any. Like, I haven't seen any real Middleton dislike where people are like, dude, I'm sick of Middleton. I don't get any of it for the last, I don't know, two years, couple of years. Other than when he got hurt, people were mad that he was hurt and they were screwed, obviously. But to trade Middleton, that stuff, that all died when they won the championship. I haven't seen or heard of it. How much of that do you get still? Yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten much of it since the championship. And that as it should be, you know, like that kind of proved like, okay, Chris can be your number two and you can win a championship that way. He stepped up big time. I think everyone kind of knew, okay, like Chris is good now. Like we don't have to debate it anymore. We don't have to have arguments about it. Um, you know, there, there's still the occasional people that are just always like, I feel like people just obsess with, like, they just feel like it's always, the grass is always greener. They got us to find a way to upgrade something. And, um, you know, they just kind of overreact to always oh, getting a little bit older and, you know, maybe he's declining a little bit. We got to trade him now. We can, it's like, no, like he's, it, I don't know. I don't really entertain that stuff much because I know it's just people getting a little bit like overreacting and stuff like that. But um, yeah, most of that, most of the Middleton slander died after the finals. And then, um, you know, last at end of last year and beginning of this year, he's been out and I think everyone was just looking forward to getting him back. So I haven't seen any recently either, but, um, yeah, I, anyone who's, you know, saying that stuff, it's like, I, it's just not worth, I don't know. It's not worth responding to to me. It's interesting because I, I was watching some of the interaction that was kind of going on in that whole thing. And I think it might've been windish. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but I think it might've been windish that said, Hey, look, this is the deal. Deal is, if Middleton leaves, they're going to be in some trouble. If Middleton stays, everything is fine, and you continue on competing for championships. But if he leaves as a free agent, God forbid that were to happen, they're they're going to have problems trying to replace him in that locker room. They're going to have problems making sure Giannis is still cool. They're going to have problems replacing his production on the court. Would they still be a playoff team? Yes, they'd still be a playoff team. But I don't think they'd be a championship-caliber team if you take Middleton off of this team, because as we've seen in the past, okay, everybody says, oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah, boy, he's the best. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody comes to play with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying that would happen with Giannis one way or the other, but that, that whole theory would be tested of, do you guys want to play with Giannis? Because if Middleton leaves, you know, probably not that offseason, but in the following offseasons, you might be able to get one of those guys that they wanted to come here and play. Uh, I, I don't. I would prefer not to go through the what happens if Chris Middleton leaves scenario personally. I, I would hope that these two are here together as long as they want to be uh, and then move on from there once they both retire or whatever happens. He's not leaving. I'm not. He's, it's best for both parties if he stays. I, I think Chris is like has no interest in leaving. He um, said he wants to stay. Yeah. There, I, but he hasn't again, picked up the option. I'm not going to like. Again, if you're like people are talking about, you know, him leaving and whatever, it's like that you, it, unless we have a reason to believe he might leave, which he's given us absolutely none, then I'm not going to. Well, I'm people are freaking out because he's not picking up the option. But again, he doesn't have to pick up the option. He'll sign yeah. a brand new contract for more money by not picking up the option. I, I think people just read into it the wrong way, Nathan. Yeah, no. And again, and it's people overreacting. It's people trying to like get, you know, like people have to get conclusions and try to have takes from everything. And it's like, sometimes it's just, you know, okay, the guy wants more money and he's going to get it and he wants to stay. We want him to stay. He's going to be here. I just, there's not, it's not really anything to me. It's like, he's going to be here for a while. And, um, 
you know, again, it's best for both parties if he stays. Like, yeah. there's no reason he should want to leave the Bucks. There's no reason the Bucks should want him to leave. It's, it, there's no reason. All right. Other, a couple other, uh, spark he takes, I guess you could say, from going to that game, uh, that Bucks Kings game. It's been a while since I've been to Bucks Kings game. I don't believe we've went to a game through this whole COVID run. I don't believe I've gone to one, stayed away from it. Big crowds tend to stay away from all of that. Disney World, we all know. How much we love Disney World, haven't gone there, haven't been on a plane, haven't done any of that stuff since all this COVID stuff happened. Um, so this was like the first time I've been back in here in a while. Things that I don't like, okay? And again, I'm old guy. You can laugh at me and be like, dude, you're so overreacting being an old dude. Okay, first, I don't like, I don't like that we don't do intros, real intros for the road team anymore. Like they're just mulling around the floor. Here are the here they are. And they have a, a the graphic up on the screen with the five starters. And that's the end of it. Like there's nothing at all so that was kind of weird didn't like that and then the home team Giannis was like on the floor two guys before it even got to him so and they're just showing him on the screen there's no walkout there's no there's nothing like I mean the fire and all that leading up to it that was cool and the whole video of Bronzeville or whatever the heck the name of the neighborhood is called that's all great and that's fine but the, like the introductions, I don't know. You just completely watered down the introductions, in my opinion. You like you took away all the specialness. Like, go back. I, I'm sure you you're a basketball dork, so I'm sure you've seen it. Go back and look at a Michael Jordan Bulls intro when those guys came out. Man, the place was dark. There was a spotlight on each guys that came out. People were going nuts, and now it's just everybody mull around on the court, and then Thanasis acts like he can dance, and they do this whole little thing around him, and then they they go sit down or whatever. So I, I don't I don't like the lineup stuff. Do you like the lineup stuff? I I have never even like I don't know given thought it a second it. thought. Yeah. Right. But now that you say it, I do agree. Like it should be more a little bit more, I guess, organized and like it should be a spotlight on, on each guy. And for the road team too, I think it would just add to the, you know, people booing as the guy yes. comes out. Um, Correct. Instead yes. of just, you know, at guard, boom, at forward, boom. It's just like in, in I'd like having a little bit of like the extra juice. So yeah, I agree. I mean, okay. now that you say it, I think I think that's a good take. That's one. Here's second. Here's a positive to counterbalance the negative that I just said, okay? I love, love the graphic package that they have when a player now scores or is at the free throw line. Before, and they still have the like the box up on the Jumbotron and you see all the stat categories, but now they have this little graphic that pops up like when Giannis is at the line and gives his whole rundown in bigger numbers, bigger letters, everything on the screen with a nice little uh, graphic package. Never did that before. Last time I was at a Bucks game. That is cool. A plus Bucks. However much you spent for that, uh, that was money well spent. Yeah, I think I think they've done a good job with all that all that stuff with just I don't know modernizing it and and um, you know just making it I guess as easy as possible for fans to kind of know what's going on in the game with, with those little graphics and stuff like that. And, um, you know, there's never like, I feel like it's much easier to know like how many points a guy has at, at, during the game or something like that. Sure. Cause they're, they're just reminding you and they're um, putting up different, you know, stats and stuff. So it, it's, it's definitely helpful. Uh, in-game entertainment. I'm going to tell you right now, bucks take this as you will. I'm a Joe Brown guy. I love me some Joe Brown. And whoever that was is not Joe Brown. Whoever is out there, that female uh, host or whatever the case may be. I don't know. It was just very um, cookie cutter, standardized. Like before the in-game entertainment was special. Like you heard the voice, you knew 
you're at a Bucks game. You heard him going crazy and yelling and screaming at the fans and going nuts. And it was something. Now it's the, I'll take it a step further. I'm sorry, Nathan. We're probably going to get ourselves in a little bit of trouble here. Well, I am. And I, whatever. I don't even have a radio show anymore. So I'm going to say what I want to say. The radio team, same cookie cutter. You had an emotional, upbeat guy that lived and died with the team and Ted Davis and was different, right? You heard Ted Davis, you knew you were listening to Bucks basketball. And with all due respect to what they've got now, and I miss Ben Bruss. Ben Bruss made that broadcast so much better last year, and now he's not on the broadcast. That that broadcast, again, it's not. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just cookie cutter, standardized, not special. And I'm I am spoiled, being my age, having some fun loving, great announced teams that rooted for their guys. Ted Davis rooted for the Bucs. John McLaughlin rooted for the Bucs, right, on the Bucs side. On the Packers side, Jim Irwin, Max McGee, man, it was all Packers all the time. Laravie, again, same thing. You listen to Laravie, maybe not when he started, but now, dude, that dude lives and dies with that Packer team when he's calling a game. That's awesome. Uh, and there's a little bit of separation that goes on there. Th- this, this... This radio thing, again, they're not bad. I'm just saying there's not a lot of oomph or excitement that goes with it. Brust brought something, brought some emotion, some passion to it, uh, and was willing to talk good or bad about whatever he was seeing on the floor. And and you and you completely lost that. TV broadcasts, I love Marcus Johnson. Uh, I'm a Steve Novak honk too, so I love both those guys. So I'm fine with the TV. But the 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 radio, the in-game entertainment. Uh, not that it's bad. It's just cookie cutter. And I'm used to better than cookie cutter in this market. Thoughts, Nathan Marzian, if you'd like to, otherwise you can pass and we'll move on. I can understand some of that. Like I do think, I do think, you know, again, none of it's bad. I, I really do like Melanie, the, the in-game announcer. I think she's, I, I personally do like her. I think she does a good job. Um, I know Melanie Ricks. Is that her name? Yeah. 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 And, um, I'm trying to think because it used to, yeah, you said Joe Brown was the old guy. I yep. didn't even know his name, but yeah, he, I mean, I guess it, there is like, he was more of like a, yeah, passion yelling, like stuff like that. More of guess, a hype man. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. I, I mean, I'm fine with either one. I think it's like, sometimes it's like, you don't really want to hear that all the time. Me personally. So I kind of, I mean, I like that Melanie, like, I don't know. She'll get into it sometimes. And then there's times where it's not it like it's a little bit more, a little bit more laid back, but, um, I do I do think that with the TV and the radio, I don't know. I I did really like when it was like yeah, like Pashke and um and uh Ted Davis just because it felt like those guys, you know, and part of it is just because they were, you know, doing it for so long, but it's like it just it just they felt like connected to the team. It just felt like it was, you know, a very strong connection and you knew that they were like how much they cared about Bucks basketball and um I don't know. And, and again, some of it just because they're new, so it doesn't feel that way. And I'm not saying that, you know, Lisa and, um, uh, is it Dave, Dave Kane? Yeah. Some, yeah. I'm not saying that they do a bad job, but it just, it, yeah. Like you said, it doesn't have that it factor, I guess, where it's like, you know, you, and I guess maybe time will, time will help it with, you know, if they are doing it for a while, but um, hey, I'm telling you, you can listen across the league to different radio play by play teams. Some are good. Some are horrible and some are kind of right there in the middle. And I would say the Bucs are in the middle. I don't think yeah. they're bad, but they definitely don't stand out. 
So they're just kind of in, in the middle and really don't separate themselves one way or the other. But I, I promise you, and I'm, I probably should get into calling people's names of who I don't like around the league that do play-by-play. But there are some people in this league that are horrible. Like, you're listening. You never get a score. You don't know who's defending. You don't know who the foul is on. Like, there are some that are just god-awful, and it just drives you crazy. I'm like, dude, who is the foul on? You never even said who the foul is on. What's the score? You haven't said it in five, six, seven minutes. I have no idea what the score is. So that's the type of stuff, again, being a radio dork like I am, that kind of you know drives me bonkers at the end of the day. So that's some more stuff uh, from last night uh, on the in-game entertainment. I just got sidetracked into talking about it, the radio broadcast team as well. Go ahead. I have a couple. So one, um, you had said you like Novak. I, I love Novak, like Marquette guy and everything, but I honestly don't think he's that good. I don't love him as a as a broadcaster person. Did you like Sidney Moncrief? Um, because every think. a lot of people didn't like Moncrief because he was too critical, he was too negative, and they didn't like him. And I, I love Moncrief. Yeah, I didn't have an issue. I don't. I, I didn't really have a strong opinion on him. I think he was in like for me, he was fine. Um, yeah, I don't and, know. So, what don't you like about what? What don't you like about Novak, or what stands out to you that you're like, yeah? I don't know. I just I feel like sometimes I can't even explain it. Like I I just feel like he doesn't really add that much. Like especially when they add okay. him on to if if he if he's added on to the um you know if he's like the color commentator for the game, right? I'm just I don't know. Nothing he says ever is like very insightful to me personally. Gotcha. And um, right. you know, again, I love him. He's a Marquette guy and everything. Like I. I love Steve Novak. I just, I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, my other take or my other question was, do you like the Hornets announcers? Those guys that yell all the time. Okay. So first of all, didn't know anything about them. 15 year old was the one that introduced me to these, these, these guys. And I was like, what are their names? I don't know, but they're funny. You don't know what their names are. And you always play me their highlights. I have no idea. Okay. But, but see, what, what happens is the team sucks and the announcers are the stars of why people listen, right? So if you're a Hornets fan, I would assume you're listening for the announcers more than you're listening for right, to see what actually is happening in the game because they're not that good. So they become the entertainment of why people tune in to hear the announcers. Is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. I think maybe if you're a player, it would be like, um, like, do you ever see the movie Drumline? No. What? I'm not. I'm not a huge movie guy. Like, I'm very. Un- I, I'm honestly very uncultured with most things that aren't sports related. Okay. So in the movie Drumline, it's these HBCU schools, um, and their marching bands, and their half times, and their field shows, and their competitions against each other. And the gist of it is. Back then, now, you know, Deion Sanders is done what Deion Sanders has done uh, with that whole thing. But that, you know, fans would come to watch the bands at halftime more than they were coming to watch the actual football team because the band was more entertaining than the football game that was going on. In this instance here with them, they are super entertaining. Am I as big of a fan into kind of what they do? Not necessarily. Younger generation loves it. Not a Gus Johnson guy. No, not a Gus Johnson guy. Um, and that's okay. Like I've interviewed Gus Johnson two, three times, Detroit guy. We talked lines, made fun of him. Um, but nice guy. I'm just, I don't like that aspect of it. Now, having said that, if you turn and you look at 
some guys that that maybe yell and get excited from time to time. Malapay yells and gets excited. He distorts the microphone. He yells so loud, right? So he yells from time to time in a basketball game or a football game and kind of kind of loses it. I think Homer yells a little bit from time to time um, doing Marquette basketball. So you got a little bit of that there. Those guys, those Hornets announcers, though, I think realize now how big it's gotten and how big a stars they've kind of become of it, even though none of these teenagers apparently know their name um, and the clicks that they're getting. And I'm sure the Hornets love all of that. What the players think of it, that play on that team, that I don't know. I'm, But to answer your question, a very long-winded answer, uh, no, I'm not a huge fan of it. But obviously, it's resonating with younger people. Yeah, I I don't like it at all. I'm like, and I know it's like, oh, you know, what what's wrong with them it, making the game more exciting, blah, blah, blah. I think it's fine for highlights, like a big play. You know, I'm fine if you want to yell a little bit. Um, and, but when you, like, the problem is all these people that see these, like, that, are listening to these Hornets announcers are really just, you know, these kids that love them. They're only seeing highlights and they're seeing, but if you actually watch a whole game with them and they're yelling constantly, it's not that fun. Like I've, I've, I've watched Hornets games and I'm just like, I can't do this. Like it's, it's do it every now and then. They they yell the whole game. They yell a lot. Yeah. Like they just, it's, and it's not yelling completely, but there's just all throughout the game. There are just times where you're like, and and they just kind of say some like wacky stuff just to kind of be funny. And it's like, come on. Like, I don't know. It just feels a little bit like over the top. And yeah, if you like, if you watch a Hornets game, there'll just be, you know, I don't know, 15 to 20 times a game where it's like, they kind of start yelling and, or the, the main guy will just start yelling. And um, I'm just like, come on. I, I like, I, I don't love Gus Johnson just because again, I feel like he yells a little bit too much, or at least he used to. Um I love the announcers that kind of let the play speak for itself a little bit more, especially in big moments and stuff. Um, and Joe Buck. I love Joe Buck. Not a Joe Buck guy. Because again, he's, guy. Mm-hmm. I, I like the guys that are, even though like he's a little bit boring and whatever, I just like that he's pretty mellow and he lets the play speak for itself. He's not going to go over the top and try to right. take, I, like, I feel like those announcers, the Hornets ones are like, I don't know. They're trying to like take it over and it's like, come on. Like, you know, yeah, they're the show. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't love that. That's exactly again, what not... it is. They become the show, but, you know, Euchre didn't try to become the show with the Brewers, but he was the show, right? Yeah. People tune into, trust me, I've listened to a lot of losing baseball Brewer games over my lifetime, but you always tuned in. By the way, congratulations, Pat Hughes, Hall of Fame. Good job. Well-deserved. Probably should have been in sooner. Uh, but him, I used to listen to him and Bob Uecker call Brewer games on the West Coast, have a little transistor radio underneath my pillow and listen to West Coast games and playing the Angels or whoever. Uh, and you loved it because you could, uh, would always tell stories, would always get you giggling and laughing. They could be losing seven to one. You're still listening. Why? Because you don't know when the next Euchre story is going to come to keep you entertained. That's that's the cool aspect of it. He wasn't the show necessarily, and it was more about the game, but people still tuned in because it's Bob Euchre, and he's funny, and that's why you listen. But there wasn't the yelling and the screaming and all that stuff. Uh, so there you go. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Green and Growing. Had no intention of diving headfirst into broadcasting. But that's what happens when you listen to Green and Growing. You never know which way it's going to go. He's Nathan Marzian, Bucks super fan. Follow him at Nathan Marzian and follow me at Sparky Radio. If you want to uh, give us your thoughts and comments on broadcasters and so forth like we talked about tonight, feel free to tweet at us. Have a good one. See you.